as driven, ambitious Christian entrepreneurs, how do we grow our business in a way that honors Christ? From seeking Him first in all of our business dealings, being surrendered to His will, and knowing exactly where and how we can make an impact through our business for the furtherance of His kingdom. Welcome to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, and these are just some of the topics my guest and I will be discussing in the hope that we may inspire and empower you to walk strongly in your faith so you can build a thriving business that honors Him in every way. Let's dive in. And welcome to another episode. So joining me on today's show is Helen Mitchell. Helen, well, she has a diverse and rich expertise to draw on. She's worked in business, the local church, and now within academia. She was an area VP with AT&T, and that was at the age of 30. As a licensed pastor, she was the architect and visionary of the Saddleback at Work ministry at Saddleback Church. Now, Helen is an ethics, leadership, and strategy professor in the Crowell School of Business at Biola University. She's the director of the Talbot Centre for Faith and Work and Economics at Talbot School of Theology. She's a certified leadership and strategy coach, consultant, speaker and author and faculty member for Professional Christian Coaching Institute. She holds a master's in organizational leadership from Biola University. She has a master's in biblical and theological studies from the Talbot School of Theology. So we are blessed on today's show to be able to tap into that richness of Helen's expertise today. So we're going to see where the Holy Spirit it leads us uh, and guides a conversation across faith at work, accelerating growth and facilitating transformation, exponential leadership, along with the church integration inventory, special research that Helen is working on. She's going to tell us more about that today on the show. Welcome, Helen. Well, thank you, Anne-Marie. It's a real pleasure to be with you today. As uh, I was reading your introduction, people can see that you have such a rich uh, and depthness of, of expertise. I wonder if you take a moment to look back and reflect your pathway and where the Lord has taken you. What would you say, um, bringing that all together, what has the Lord really supported you in learning and developing that has led you down the path to where you are today in academia? Wow, such a great question, such a big question. Um, I would say that I, I actually didn't aspire, wasn't one of my early goals to be in academia. Uh, I think it was just God's plan for me to be at this place and for all of my expertise and background to, to converge and to come together and really just step into this place of faith, work, economics, and setting God's people back to work for him. And God, I believe, divinely placed me in a series of key positions, whether be in business. So I have expertise there. I do consulting in, as you know, as you said, in consulting and, and coaching with business leaders, as well as, you know, leading and working in the local church and starting that workplace ministry at Saddleback Church and doing some work here. So having that 360 view has given me a very unique perspective, but God has just really gripped my heart through a lot of uh, difficulties and tragedy along the way. And I guess what I would leave with your listeners, uh, Anne-Marie, is that even though something might not seem like exactly what we thought it would be or where we were going, or is there hope on the other side of that tragedy? God is still working out his plan, even in the midst of whatever it might be. So that is how I ended up here. Actually, I would say by God's providence. 
<laughs> I love that because often uh, we just need to step out. We just need to step out and he needs us. And it's not till we take a step back and look across some of the things, as you said, and in, in, in our journey, which can include some failures and disappointments that we see God was right there carrying us through. And with that diverse expertise now, we're able to, to uh, really bring um, amazing things for the furtherance of his kingdom. So I want to start off by giving you an opportunity to share a little bit more about the church integration inventory what it is because I'm pretty sure that we can see that your entirety of your experience is giving you the richness to be able to really um, accelerate if you will the the church integration inventory so what is this Helen? Yeah, thank you for asking, Anne-Marie. It is a uh, project that is near and dear to my heart and one that I have great uh, passion and interest in right now. I'm spending a lot of time on. So thanks for asking about that. I've been in this faith at work field for more than 20 years now. And I would say that's another one of those God plucked me out of the marketplace and began to see my heart and mind about this idea of faith, the work and what that might be. And he continues to build on that vision and understanding and um, starting the workplace ministry at Saddleback, as I told you. But as I've gone along and understanding what this looks like and seeing more parties and organizations and people and groups and curriculum and shows and things like that come to bear and more resources and more conversation, at least here in the United States, it's that's been very encouraging. But as that has played out, I began to realize and understand as I would meet with, say, pastors or others who have been seeking to understand what this means. And I talked to them about it within just a few seconds, I could, I could, they don't get it. They, they, they really don't have any transformation. We might have some kind of incremental change, but we don't have any real transformation or integration or seeds that have gone deep, or we're not really understanding uh, fully what this could be in terms of aligning with God's heart. So I, as I continue to do some side research and so forth, and a friend of mine who we've, I partnered with on this, his name is Chuck Proudfit. He leads a ministry called At Work on Purpose. He's out of Cincinnati. So very similar. We have some similar backgrounds and experiences, but yet some distinctions that we make a good partnership. We were having a conversation about this a num uh, number of years ago, and I was just like, you know, we have all this conversation. It's like it's like all these planes that are on a runway. I just I got this picture of all these planes on a runway, all these people on the plane. And over the PA system, you hear work is worship, work is worship. But these planes aren't going anywhere. We're not doing anything. We're not affecting culture. That change isn't going deep. I said, I just have this sense that there's there's got to be something more. And I shared with my friend that the Lord had shared with me a long time ago that he, as I was pulling into a client's uh, location in LA, where I had just driven up to go do some work with them on an organizational change job, the Lord clearly said to me, he said, Helen, what you're dealing with meaning faith work economics is the greatest organizational change of all time. So we can just, I can just pause for a moment there. Those people who are in business and we know all the, the, the business stats in the business realm to do any kind of real change, uh, McKinsey, all the other basic consulting companies, all the research will show you 70 to 80% of them actually fail. And if they do get some traction, they really only get somewhat in incremental. It's really hard to do a full scale organizational turnaround people, process, structure, technology. So I was consulting with another business partner on that with businesses for a while. And uh, and then it just hit me. I'm like, that's exactly what we're doing. So this was years before my friend Chuck and I came together. But what we're talking about, Anne-Marie, is we're talking about not that anybody, we've done anything wrong, but we need to adapt to a changing environment, to a changing culture, to things that have shifted and changed. 
it, it we don't have the same values, morals. Uh, we, we lock our doors. It's not the 1950s, right? So um, people process structure technology and theology. So as my friend Chuck and I were talking about this, I said, you know, we, we intuitively know that there's more, but a pastor can't execute on that. We mm-hmm. can't help a pastor until we give them something to hold on to, something to which to have a pathway forward. And that's what bore the idea of this church integration inventory. And so my friend Chuck and I, we are smart enough to know that we can't do this on our own. So we promptly hired friend of mine and co-worker, Dr. Jason Wilson, who is the chair of our math department here at Biola University and leads our quantitative consulting center. And he counseled us. We started this project over four years ago, Anne-Marie, and we, we, we worked with uh, Dr. Wilson, who helped us think through the questions and the structure at the very basic level, beliefs, behaviors, this, that, and the other thing, so that the end result is that this will be a fully validated, statistically reliable assessment. It's not just a survey of beliefs or what are we looking at, but it's a predictable resource that we're looking to move forward. And this last year in 2023, we had four churches who engaged in our trial, got great value from it, received a 40 page report, got a personal debrief, uh, but gave us the opportunity to work with some data. We're very close on getting it statistically validated, but what it has done is it's, we now have data to prove the things that I have suspected and have been saying for years mm-hmm. and giving pastors a tangible pathway forward. There's no metric driven resource like this at all in the world. And there is nothing that is looking at it from this aspect of an organizational change, people, process, structure, technology, and theology to empower the pastor. Wow. I cannot wait to, uh, and I'm sure you too, cannot wait to have that to be able to, to bring. And I'm sure that there are so many learnings that you're able to share today because obviously the, this inventory is not going to come out fully uh, till down the track. But what are some of the things that you can share with us today to be able to support people who are listening to you, Helen, and, and thinking, yes, we do at work or in our own business. How can we start to integrate that? How can we start to bring that, um, whatever it is that you're going to share, more forward? Because we have the answers and and a lot of times to really, as you said, to be able to change culture and make an impact for the Lord's kingdom, but also ultimately impacting the lives of those people we get to, you know, associate with and work on behalf of and our customers and clients and shape, stare, uh, uh, stakeholders and shareholders as well. What are some insights that you can share with us today? Well, I, I, Give you a couple insights. A lot of things. My mind is just, you've just stimulated. Yeah, where do I start? Exactly. <laughs> you know what? You have made me speechless and people have been trying to do that forever. So uh, kudos to you. Um, so here, you know, Anne-Marie, you, are, you just hit right on the heart of it. And I, I want to make some comments back to the church integration inventory and, uh, and what that might mean for whether people are listening who might be in, in the ch- local church or in the business environment. Let me first and just say, you know, God cares a lot about what happens in the world because the earth in the, in, in, every, in the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. 
It also says in Psalm 115 that he's given to the earth to man. So we are to rule and manage and care for all the aspects of, of, of the earth. We, we've been given this responsibility. Well, we've heard about that in the generalities, but let me give you some proof to that. If you go back and read the minor prophets in the Old Testament, and the things that will surface out of there, greed, corrupt judges, bad business practices, tr uh, sex trafficking, slavery, uh, bribery, corruption, uh, all sorts of all sorts of things. Now, you might think we're talking about today. Well, that that's just that is the fruit of the kingdom of darkness. We are what really have going on throughout Scripture is this meta narrative is this battle between two kingdoms. And if we think about it in that realm, that that's that's what's at, at play here and what we see. And the people of Israel got thrown out of their land, yes, because of spiritual idolatry and because of blood sacrifices and the sacrificing of children after they were warned many, many times, absolutely. But very specifically, if you go and read Amos, Obadiah, Nahum, those, the minor prophets, God was very specifically was calling them out and was very upset with how they were behaving and living out their faith through culture, through business, through government, through the justice system. So this is not something that is, we should, we should, it is not about what we should have anything, you know, run away from. Uh, if the Antichrist and if Satan wants us, I mean, why, what, I mean, in the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Why are we relinquishing that influence? And it says in Jeremiah 29, the Lord said, told Jeremiah, tell the people to seek the peace of the land and build houses. And if the city prospers, you will prosper. There's a causal effect, a causation. So having peace, having good governance, having the people prosper is part of God's plan in the earth. So his glory can be seen and through the very work that we do. And there's so much to be said. And let me just finish with this last comment, Anne-Marie, if this is helpful. We are, well, two comments. We're still in the beta phase with the church integration inventory. And so if we have a church or uh, a pastor who would like to, to look into that, we would love to invite you to be a part of that uh, beta research right now um, as we continue to work through uh, all, all of uh, what that might be. The four churches that have been in the trial were at various stages. One was a brand new startup, the church plant. And they were just thinking about this. Two had already been on the pathway, and the and so and the fourth was a turnaround. So whether it be a readiness tool, a check in time, we've been doing this forever. Let's just do a. Let's just we go to the doctors for vitals, for checkups, whatever. We'll help you understand and help unearth what are those hidden beliefs that are working against each other. Why you're not getting breakthrough? Why you're not getting transformation? Why your city and culture isn't changing? Where the beliefs and the words and the verbiage and the things are working against each other? How do you operationalize, prioritize, and are your behaviors really lining up with your beliefs? And so what we are finding is that one of the key findings, and I'll close with this, I have had this phrase that said sizzle to fizzle. So what I have observed for more than a decade is that a lot of churches will go and get excited and great, wonderful. They get excited. They get inspired. They want to do something. So they get the sizzle. This is great. Take it back to the church. We need to do something. God bless you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking that risk. But we run right to implementation. We don't have the, the theological. We don't have the culture. We don't have the congregation aligned. We don't have the things that need to be in play in order to make that be successful. So we go from sizzle to fizzle. So invariably I'll meet a pastor. Yeah, we tried that, been there, done that, check mark. 
usually it's a business type focus. Well, I don't know. They're, I mean, teacher, doctor, don't see them, you know, the coffee barista, they don't see themselves as working for a business. There is more to paid work than just the realm of the business. Mm -hmm. So, um, so this inventory is to kind of give that full in-depth to try to bring this together, to put God's people back to work for him. And yes. give the pastor in the church, a strategic dashboard and, and, and a look as to where are we on this journey and mm -hmm. to accelerate their time, minimize the rework and the wasted time and minimize uh, wasted money and maximize uh financial and time investments. So we're real excited about what we've been able to see. And, and because the church and the marketplace need to work together, the marketplace, people who get now there's all work that God's caring for. But let's talk for a moment about the marketplace. And then I promise I will be done. The marketplace paid jobs is the only place in the earth, the only jobs in the earth that can institute, enforce, uphold, righteousness and justice mm -hmm. schools business construction the the classrooms the hospital rooms the grocery stores the food the growing of the food the delivery of the food the gas production you name it we can do all of that well or not that is the only place but the pastors and the church have the influence the marketplace has the authority we must get these two people, these two groups back together again. So I'm working both sides of the fence, Anne-Marie. Yeah, and I can really see how the Lord has allowed you to work in those areas, both those areas, and now be able to take that and really drive um, through the knowledge and wisdom and experience and what you've observed into to that. There's a couple of things that I, I mean, we could just do a whole week's worth of, of um, interviews just on that, that topic alone, but I absolutely agree. And, and as an individual who will sit in, in church and, and have over many, many years, we're often told you know you're out there in the mission fields you know in your work and it's like great what do we do it's almost like we know what we you know that that it is the mission field but there seems to be um, I don't know if the word disconnect is correct but you know are we equipping our saints are we really enabling them to see that we can be um Real influence there, and and there are just so many things as we know uh, happening in the world. I mean, you mentioned what was happening in the world, you, you know, in biblical times, and as you said so rightly, are you talking about biblical times or what's happening today? Because the same, as you said, kingdom of darkness is operating in the world today, and I think sometimes as Christians, when we you know, we sit in our little Christian groups, which is wonderful because, you know, we need to lift one another up. We negate to, to say we, when we need to go out there, we need to be able to observe these things and we have the answer living inside of us, how we're going to impact that. So maybe for some individuals who, again, here listening or even the recording, Helen, and saying, I want to be more of an impact and an influence for the kingdom in the work that I do. So whether they're working for an organisation or for their own business, where do they start if currently th their place of worship and their pastor and their leadership team at, at their church has not really recognised that yet because we want to be able to empower and inspire them to say, look, you can still do something for the kingdom wherever you are placed. Where is a good place to start, Helen? That is such a great question. Thank you. And let me preface my answer with uh, uh, two scriptures as basis, if I could, please. 
I love what you said about equipping the saints, right? Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, teachers uh, are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That word work in the Greek is ergon, which means business, employment, anything done by hand. Yes, we have a ministry inside and outside of the local church. And yes, we need to volunteer at the food bank and some of the local nonprofits and all of that, because that's part of caring for the earth and, and helping the least of these. Absolutely. But the pastors are called to equip the saints for the work, for the vocation, for the things that they are called to do out in the world. I truly believe that one day every pastor, every church leader will stand before Jesus and say, did you help the people that I sent to your church help them understand what I call them to do through the very act of the work that they're doing. So equipping the saints is uh, about doing the, their business, their ergon. It's yes, about being a good moral Christian uh, person. And it's about sharing the gospel when we can. Absolutely. When I had workplace small groups at Saddleback Church, we had, you know, 50% or quarter, 25% of the groups had one or more people come to Christ in the workplace because of them growing together as Christ to understand their calling at work. It's who they were, how they did it, what they did, how they approached it. And, and not only just being a nice moral person, that's one of the things that's come out of the church inventory, and Marie, that I've suspected that we have data for, that the the, the churches are saying universally, we almost 95% see work as eternal view of work. But when I unpacked that further and looked a little bit deeper, what it really meant was to evangelize my coworker, share the gospel, have a Bible study. But those are all the things that you're doing on company time when you're not doing your job. Mm. That in and of itself is, is yes, yes, all that will be fruit of what we do. But first and foremost, God put people in place to do the work. It says in Jeremiah, again, at the end of Jeremiah 28, 29, he threw them out because he, and he get, God gave one last, one last warning. He said, reform your ways, change your ways, adopt your ways, the way your habits, your calling, the way you work, reform, Reformation is different than revival. So the very act of the work we do. So right there, that's one of the things we're unearthing. And we have data to say that this is this indeed is true. So for the people who are listening, who are out there in the marketplace, I would encourage you with the other side of it, which is Ephesians 2.11. For you are a great masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God determined before uh, you were born. That word works is ergon, business, employment, anything done by hand. God determined before the foundation of the world who he would get equipped with the skills, talents, and ability to be a good plumber, who would have uh, business-making skills, who would be a communicator, who would have uh, ability to make music, technology, art, uh, medicine, distribution, operations, in order to make this entity called planet Earth run. And mm -hmm. when we do that, ministry is not, is not a job title. It's not a, this is also a little, little tweaks in how we think of things. Ministry, it'll set, set you on such a path with passion. Ministry is not a job title. I would say it's not an occupation. It's not something that we do at a church. It's a way of life for a believer who is a true follower of Jesus Christ. Because that word ministry in the Greek is diakonia. Mm. It just means service, service yes. one to another. And in Acts 6, I don't want to step into it, but that that 
sharing uh, um, the the Peter says we shouldn't forsake the ministry of the gospel for the waiting on tables or the serving of tables. If you mm -hmm. were to look in the Greek, that ministry of the gospel and the serving or the waiting on tables both have the same Greek word of diakonia. So what basically Peter is saying, look, I've been trained by the master for three years, uh, as we all have. We but we have a calling. We've been equipped. This is our job. All right. Mm -hmm. I need we need somebody who has the calling and has the ability and the skills and the talents, who has operational administration, leadership, compassion, who could care for these wid widows, these two group of widows who are fighting with each other. We need somebody who could do that, because if I go don't do this, I go do this. That means I can't do this. So I need somebody to go do that job. Yeah, that's what Peter was saying. So it's a both. And we need both. So the place to start mm -hmm. is that would be the first thing. For those who are in the marketplace, I would say whether it's a perfect job, whether you're under, you know, underemployed, whether you've got a good boss, bad boss, I would suggest that you are not there by accident. So first and foremost, you could pray for your leadership. Paul tells us to do that. Secondly, I would encourage you, as you come, this is what I do all the time I come into work or any place I go, as you walk into that place of business, uh, you can begin to pray just in your own mind, just pray for the Holy Spirit to be resident in that place or to walk by those places of influence where you need more uh, love, justice, righteousness, transparency, whatever it might be for the Holy Spirit to shift. But know that the very work that you do is uh, can be ministry and the intrinsic work itself. We tell our students here at Biola University to keep your seat at the table of influence because if you step away, Likely the person coming behind you won't have the same conscience and you keep your seat at the table of influence. You can help shape the decisions and the trajectory that are yet to come. So mm. you are not there by accident. And I would say, God bless you. You were born for such a time as this. Yeah. Amen. You know, as you're sharing that, I, I really um, hope that people understand that because I remember my mother years ago, she's now gone to glory, but she said when she first had her, uh, my three older brothers um, and they were quite young, she would go to her uncle and say, I really want to be more involved in the church and in the ministry, but I just don't have time. And you know what he said to her? He said, he said, Yos, you bring up your boys in the love and in the great, you know, and be a steward to them in, in the love of the Lord. And they then went on to become ministers and professors and missionaries and so forth. Because he said to her, you sowing seeds uh, into your young children is where the Lord has you now in, in this particular season. Why I share that is so often we will think about where we're at. Oh, I'm not really making an impact for the kingdom. Guess what? The enemy wants you to think that because guess what? You really can be an impact for the kingdom where you are right now because some of the things that you mentioned are so powerful. Bringing prayer there, your attitude and your approach. Mm -hmm. If you go from a godly approach to whatever is happening, people notice. I remember interviewing someone, Helen, who had an organisation who they love the Lord, the leadership team loved the Lord. They never really openly spoke about the Lord, but it made such an impact. They were able to bring over 500 people throughout the, the years and in their team to come to love the Lord just through their interactions, um, the decisions that they made, because it made a difference. It stood out. And I tell you what, it doesn't, it, when you look at the way uh, many of the unfortunate business dealings and where the, the kingdom of darkness has really 
you know, solidified, sadly, their their uh, their influence. Um, it doesn't take much to to really bring the light and the love of the Lord there to make such an influence and an impact. Um, all of us, no matter where we are. So I know that we're just about in closing, but what would you say to someone who perhaps needs a little bit of, um, again, thinking that you have an impact or you can have an impact and an influence in the kingdom from where you are, whether you're a young mum and homeschooling or you've got young children right through to to whatever, you are in a kitchen or hospitality or you are a CEO of your business, wherever you are, if the enemy has been speaking over you and saying you can't make an impact for the kingdom, what would you say to help them break free from that to go, you know what, you are and you can, what would you say? Uh, Well, Anne-Marie, that is such a great question and it's a great way to close. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Uh, I would say two things. Uh, One of which is, you know, the enemy, he, of course, he's a liar and he uh, likes to distort us, try to steal our destiny, slow us down, all that kind of stuff. And he speaks just enough truth. He knows enough about us. He wounded us enough as children and we're growing up in different things, things we've done, things have been done to us, things that happened around us. So enough that our heart is, you know, has got some place where he's got a little bit of hook. And so his the reason why his lies are so effective is because they, they resonate with us, right, to some degree. So I'd say a couple things. First of which is, you know, we, we can decide that we want to partner with those lies. So when we lean into those lies, we're partnering with those and taking those in and then we kind of absorb it, if you will, right? So when those kind of things happen, sometimes I, I get wind whipped and I'm like, wait a minute, what, what, what did I get? What am I agreeing to? And so there is a perfect time to just, you know, speak out scripture, you know, uh, the, the scripture that leads to that situation, uh, whatever it might be. Some of the things we've talked about here today, Ephesians 2, 11, you know, uh, God prepared good works for us to do. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account for all the works. And that works include and ministry is even changing the baby's diaper. So in the name of Jesus, I just will not come into agreement or that partnership with the lies. And then so you apply scripture uh, against the lies begin to praise and worship the Lord. He, Satan hates that. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Last thing he wants to do, you praise and worship the Lord, thanking God for what he's done and who he is, right? So you, you know, he's constantly wanting to be around you in that. But then I would also close, and Anne-Marie, I love how you brought in the idea of parents that our influence and our calling, think about our calling. I like to explain it this way, different hats that we wear to different roles that we have, different spheres of influence. You might have a calling as a parent, might have a calling as a child, you might have a calling as a a professional, a a soccer coach, whatever it is, in those spheres of influence that God has given you, Holy Spirit will work in and through you. He partners with us. It is not all on us. And many times, most of the time, he'll work through you and speak through you in ways you don't even know. So as we keep our ears attentive to the Holy Spirit, scripture says that uh, uh, Holy Spirit, Jesus leads us into triumphant procession. So he is wanting us to pass the exam and he's wanting to see God wants his glory to be seen in the earth. I guarantee more than we even do. So all he wants is our yes. Yeah. And to believe that we're going to go every step of the way. And scripture says that God knows how we're made. So I remind him that often. Okay, Lord, you know how we're made. I'm sorry. I'm feeling a little upset about this right now. So help me understand that and come into the midst of this. So 
But God bless you and all that you do in your reach. But thank you for this opportunity to join you. Oh, you are so welcome. I mean, as I said, we could just continue to speak for hours. You know, one of the things that you've just said I want to highlight because this happened to me this week um, where I started to get stuck in the moldrum of, you know, the the, the, the moldrum of things. And um, and I thought, you know what? I don't uh, – we sit in the heavenlies alongside yes. the Lord. So I completely <laughs> shifted my focus from what was going on to heavenly things. I, and, and, again, praising you. Thanking you because you have the, uh, the the ways and your plans are perfect. And instantly after that, all of a sudden these ideas came through, and 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 it is, isn't it? We got to make sure what are we partnering with because we can partner with lies, we can partner with comparison and all of those things. But we're forgetting, you know, keep our eyes on the Lord and and really. Um, that change of focus and the thanksgiving and praise is nothing more that irks the kingdom of darkness than someone who even in the midst of, um, you know, situations and challenges can praise and thank the Lord. I mean, that in and of itself can uh, can change atmospheres for ourselves and wherever we are placed. Helen, if someone would like to find out more, connect with you, what is the best place for them to do that? Uh, thank you. You can go to my website at helenmitchell.org. That's one L in Helen, two L's in Mitchell, and you can also uh, uh, find some information and resources on my website, or you can connect with me, connect with me at Helen at HelenMitchell.org if you are at all interested in the church inventory. would love to speak to you about that as well. Fantastic. Wonderful. One of the things that I do at the end of this show, Helen, is just finish with a word of prayer. May I do that today? That would be fantastic. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to speak with Helen today. And I know that we have just um, touched the surface and there's just so much more. But Father, thank you for speaking through her and showing us that we can make an impact for the kingdom where we're at. We just, You just need a yes and um, you can equip us and, and lead us and direct us. Father, we know as we look around the world today that the kingdom of darkness has been busy, but your kingdom trumps over them, Lord. When we have your spirit and inside us and greater is he that lives in us that who, who that who is in the world, Lord. And so we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to, as Helen said, not partner with the kingdom of darkness and look around at what's happening and feel overwhelmed because, Father, we know Jesus has conquered sin and death and we carry that light and we carry the truth uh, in, in us and we can make an impact wherever we are for you, for your kingdom, whether we are a parent at home or a CEO of a business. Father, we just want to thank you for this time and this opportunity. We love you. And uh, we just continue to ask a blessing on the work that Helen is doing uh, on, on the inventory, Lord. Let it go out amongst the nations to the churches and to the pastors so that we can make an impact for the kingdom and show people who do not know yet the Lord Jesus that he is the hope, he is the answer, Lord, to all of their problems so that um, heaven can continuously be be cheering away as, as more people join the kingdom, your kingdom, Father. And we just ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Again, Helen. It has been an absolute uh, pleasure. And uh, perhaps one day you can come back on the show and give us updates on what's happening with the church integration inventory. Or maybe even there are some churches and pastors who may like to come on uh, and share what impact that they're seeing through that. I think those sort of stories can really empower as well when we see, you know, the, the news and, and mainstream media often talks about doom and gloom, but we've got an ability to be able to, to share what the Lord is doing. And I tell you what, that that in itself, 
itself can make a real difference too when we hear the impact and the influence the Lord has on changing lives wherever his people are, uh, as you said, doing his work. So thanks once again for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Anne-Marie. Thank you. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why. I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've Positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.